Okay, we uh, back to podcast. Hope everyone is doing well, and you've had a good week, and the Lord has blessed you in uh, abundant ways, and um, I'm so thankful uh, that God's given us a good day in the Lord today, and and uh, for His grace and His long-suffering, and I just couldn't be more grateful and thankful for all that He's done. I want you to go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. We are where I'm trying to get to. Um, we are we are at Saul's disobedience and rejection. I can't really say it's his final disobedience because he, he will live for some time longer. He will be, uh, of course, David's nemesis. As David gets crowned king, um, but he is—he's basically sealing his fate right here. And uh, and I say that because we leave fifteen, go to sixteen, and in chapter sixteen we're introduced to David, and that's been my objective. So what we're going to do is. Um, we're going through all of 1 Samuel, maybe most of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, or David's life ends in 2 Samuel. So I haven't decided if we're going to go through 2 Samuel or not, but the the focus, the primary reason behind this is, is to go and study David's life. And um, there's so much teaching and preaching and application that that can be learned from David's life and um I just felt it was it was a good study that we can uh, undertake now having said that we've got to get through Saul and so where we're at now is uh it's it's basically uh Saul will be uh finishing up with or, or Samuel will kind of be finishing up with Saul. He'll be uh, winding down the um, the relationship that he's had with Saul and, and so forth. And so um, we're, we're coming forward here in chapter number 15. And uh, th- these will be his last days. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I love David's life. And uh, I love uh, learning and studying about David's life. And uh, we're, we're getting where we want to go. So 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord hath sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the Lord. So Samuel goes to Saul almost as a final attempt, as a final plea. Samuel is the man of God. Samuel knows where um, where this is headed. He knows who and what Saul is. And so as he does... Um, he he wants to make an attempt. He's a, he's a fair man. He's a good man. He's a godly man. And so before this thing c- 
completely turns away from Saul and to David, uh, Samuel goes and makes one attempt to him. So he goes unto Saul and he says, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king of Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. So he's saying, you got a chance. I, I want you to seize this opportunity, take this chance. And verse 2, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek, and you know God will do that. Um, I'm not saying, you know, God will turn his back. We, we do see biblical evidence many, many times where God turns his back on folks. Ichabod, as what we've we've called it, Proverbs one teaches that God will turn His back on folks; that He will laugh at their calamity. Um, you know, they'll cry unto Him, and He won't hear. Bible teaches that plainly, clearly, but He won't do so until He's extended every avenue of mercy and grace, and those aven those extensions of mercy and grace um, just continue to get rejected. And uh, that's the situation here in the, in Saul's life. And Saul is has just continually, continually uh, rejected God. He's rejected God's call. He's rejected God's plea continually over and over. And so finally, we're at this place where uh, David, or I'm sorry, we're, we're at this place where Samuel comes to him. And as Samuel comes to him, this is it. This is it. And you know, I don't. I wouldn't ever want to be at that place that Saul's at in this life where God has extended grace, extended grace, and finally God's done. So this last time... God is extending grace to Saul. And as he does, the Bible said, um, verse number two, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and sucking ox, and sheep and camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together, and he numbered them in Telian, 200,000 footmen. So he's got 200,000 men and 10,000 men of Judah. So he's got 210,000 men total. Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go to part, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou camest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now watch this. Watch this. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile, and refuse, they that destroyed utterly. You read those words with me? Let's read that verse again. I want to read that verse again. 
but Saul and the people spared Agag. You could seal it right there. You could seal it right there. That, ladies and gentlemen, is demonstrative of who and what Saul is and who and what Saul was. Saul always thought that he knew better than God. He always thought that he knew better than Samuel. Saul always thought that he knew the best way. Saul always thought that because he was head and shoulders above everyone else that what he decided would be the best approach to take. And now we see it demonstrative of what God is finally and that God is finally done and his patience has finally run out with Saul. Now folks, that's how it works. That's how it happens. When you think you run your can run your own life, when you think you can do it your own way, when you think you know what's best for yourself in every situation, independent of God, God will allow that for so long. And finally, we come to this place. And what he does, he goes and he smites. That, that's the word of the Lord from Samuel. Look, look in verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. I laid wait for him in the way when he came from Egypt. Now verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all. Do you see what that word is? All. All. A-L-L. That means every one of them. That they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and sucking ox, and sheep and camel and ass. That was the direct command from God. Back to verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag. That's not all. And the best of the sheep and the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. So, if this were your modern Christian, they would not be able to understand this. Because they went to church on Sunday morning. There was some obedience in their life. And I put the term Christian there in quotes. They would think God to be unfair in this situation. They would think God to be cruel in this situation. They would think God uh, did not respond appropriately and accordingly to them in this situation. That would be your modern Christian. However, God is not pleased with the fact that with partial obedience. God doesn't want partial obedience from us. God doesn't want us to obey, follow Him on our terms. He doesn't want us to do it as we see fit. God wants complete obedience. And he will allow us to partially obey. He will allow us to straddle the fence. 
He will allow us to do it our way and our own our own thing up to a point. And then when he's done, he's done. And so this is the bottom line for God. God has allowed Saul to continue in his ways of partial obedience, doing it as he saw fit, doing it as he thought was best for quite some time now. Samuel goes to him, and as Samuel goes to him, he gives him that one last command. He he gives him that opportunity. He gives him a direct command. You go and you kill them all. Samuel goes and kills just about every, he kills everyone. God also said, I want you to kill all that livestock, all of it. Samuel, or Saul, the Bible says, and the people keep the best for themselves. And they kill that which is it good. It's almost too much temptation for Saul. He was tempted with what the livestock could bring. He was tempted with the financial gain of it and the business gain of it, how it could be used, didn't want to waste it, whatever. I'm sure there's, there's some... Explanation. I'm sure there's some justification for this sin, as there's always some sort of justification for sin. And God said, no. I don't care what the justification is. I, I don't care what your excuse is. I don't care what you think about this. I give you a command. Kill and slay everything and you chose to keep the livestock back for yourself that ladies and gentlemen will be that will be what seals Saul's final step look with me then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying verse 10 it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king so God is repenting. God is changing his mind. But repentance isn't just changing your mind. Repentance is changing your actions. So God is sorry. He's wishing he wouldn't made Saul his king. But it's more than that. God is now setting up the, the the time and the space to make a new king. And so, verse 11, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set him up a place and is gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Do you see that? Do you see how naive Saul is? He thinks what he has done is, is appropriate. He thinks what he's done is right. 
that reminds me so much, so much of people in our day. They go to church partially obedient. That's wonderful. It's great that you go to church. But there's no dedication nor devotion to God whatsoever independent of just going to church. That's, that's in essence what Saul is doing here. He's killed off. He thinks he's even done right. But there was a commandment that God give. Come here, let me, let me teach y'all something. We've got a Holy Ghost, we've got a completed Bible, and ignorance of the commandments, ignorance of the Scripture is not an excuse anymore. Because we got a completed Bible. you got the Spirit of God. So what we must do is learn the Bible, learn the commandments, learn what God wants, and live by them. Because partial obedience got Saul removed. Partial obedience, God said, I am done, Saul. I am done with you. And so the Bible says here, Verse number 12, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place, and has gone about and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel, Samuel's a true man of God. Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you understand the power in that statement? Saul thinks he has done right. Saul thinks he has done appropriately. Saul thinks he has followed God, and he's followed God's command. He even goes to Samuel and said, Samuel, I did what you told me. And about that time, just like a cock crew the night that Peter denied the Lord for the third time, all of a sudden, Samuel heard a sheep bleeding. He heard a sheep. Can't you hear it? Samuel turned to Saul and he says, What mean this bleeding of the sheep? Do you know it'll always find you out? Partial obedience will always find you out. Saul had justified in his mind, I've killed all the people. I think I'll keep the livestock for my own gain. And God said, No, that's not what I wanted. And that's your final, that's your final act as king is an act of disobedience. We're getting older. I'm getting older. You're getting older. We're all getting older. I want my final acts in this life to be of total commitment, total dedication, total sold out, selling out to God. Look with me. What Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? 
and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. But now, notice how he's going to make it sound. He's going to, he has justified this so much that he is attempting to make his disobedience sound good. He has gotten caught up in disobedience so much that he has has made his 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 disobedience sound like it's in, like it's something that that was okay. He has justified it. He's justified it so much that he's actually attributing this to God and saying we could keep it back for sacrifice. That's how far people can get. That's how far from God they can go to where they can live in complete open disobedience and rebellion to what God is saying and still say, I go to church, I give my tithe, I'm okay with God. And God says, no, no, that's not how it works. Look, Samuel said, what meaneth, verse 14, this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. Oh, there's a noble reason for the reason I disobeyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse, so basically what we've got here, chapter 15, verse 14, is that Saul's disobeyed God, but what he's doing is pretending that he has obeyed. He destroyed all that was of no use, but he spared for himself the best of the sheep and the oxen. And Samuel, who's the Lord's messenger, He's heard the animals bleeding and lowing, and uh, there's there sometimes bleeding sheep and lowing oxen, oxen, oxen in our lives, you know. And um, we put aside all that, that we do not want but spare or hold on to the things that we like best. That's how we do. We get rid of things that are easy to get rid of. We quit habits that are easy to quit. I, I was talking to someone this week about that. I guess, you know, they'd gotten saved and they had, had quit drinking and drugging and things like that. And that's wonderful. It's good. It's wonderful. You should. But the way they carried themselves was dishonest. Completely dishonest. Was not appropriate. Was not right. And therefore, I made the statement, I said, look, there's more to being saved than not drinking anymore, not running around and carousing around anymore. It changes your decision making. It'll change your integrity. It'll change your character. It'll change your honesty. It'll change 
your gossip and tongue. I see that in people all the time. I've been in churches a long time. I've been doing, I didn't start this when I come to Franklin Heights, folks. This has been a part of, this has been the biggest part of my life. I can smell it, sense it. I know when it's upon. And I've seen folks go to church, tithe, give, and be the worst gossips that you've ever experienced, you've ever come across in your life. You know what they are? They're saws. What do you mean they're saws, preacher? Well, there's partial obedience. They're going to church. They're giving. But ultimately, they're being rejected by God because they're terrible gossips. And those things are far more detrimental to the Christian life than what the good they're doing. And Saul finally came to his end. God got a belly full of that junk, and he was done with it. Verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. So Saul's ready to hear it, he thinks. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribe of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee to be king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So he explains it. He's admitting it. He's not denying it. And Samuel's trying to explain this to him. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, listen, I want y'all to get this. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, a couple of things I want to elaborate on there. The first thing is, is verse number 22, that obedience is better than sacrifice. How about that? How many times have you heard that in your Christian walk in these these soft soap preachers, these soft soap churches where they're not really telling the whole counsel of God? They're afraid to teach and preach that. Why? Because they, they like the people giving. They like the sacrifices the people are making. They like the people there they like their tithe check. They like what they're given. But hold on a minute. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. So what good is it to sacrifice? What good it is, is it to give and to sacrifice you, your life, and things in your life when you're not obedient to God? You see, 
Saul was trying to justify his disobedience with sacrifice. And Samuel's playing with him. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, the next step is this, verse 23. How big of a deal does this seem like to you? I mean, on the surface, honestly. I mean, he's killed the people. He's killed all the Amalekites. He's killed them dead just like he he was supposed to do. So he kept a few sheep alive. So he kept a few oxen alive. He's going to sacrifice them. That doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? Hold on. Here's how big of a deal it is according to verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You say, I would never try to cast spells. I would never worship the devil. I would never practice witchcraft. Do you rebel against God? Because that Bible just teaches right there, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God looks at rebellion in the life of one of his children in the equal way that he would look at you committing witchcraft. That's that's what it says. I'm not making it. For as is the sin of witchcraft. That's how important it is to obey God. And he said, because you've rejected the Lord, the word of the Lord, as a matter of fact, is what he said. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You've just sealed your faith. Why? Because you rejected what God said for you to do. You rejected the word. You rejected the word of God. You rejected what God said. You rejected what God wanted. You rejected what God desired. And so God is going to reject you. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. So he's admitting it. He's being confronted with his sin. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Oh, so somebody talked him into it. He's, he's attributing it to them. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. He says, will you pardon it? Can I have another shot? He's asking for another shot. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. I'm done. I'm done. Now that doesn't sound very Christian, does it? To be done with somebody. It doesn't sound that way, but it's in the Bible. You see what we've made Christianity to be? People can go in outright rebellion, outright sin, And because there's emotional ties and involvement with people, people can reject the word of the Lord. They can act immature. They can act like babies. They can act like brats. But because you've got an emotional tie with them, folks follow them right out into that. But not Samuel. 
not Samuel. Samuel said, no, I'm not following you. I'm not validating you. I'm not patting you on the back. I'm not saying your decision's right. I'm not going to say it's okay. I'm not even saying you're getting forgiveness for this. Look, it's all there. Verse number 26, Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid upon the skirt of his mantle, and he rent, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. So that mantle would be uh, an outer garment, an outer covering. And he's saying, just like this mantle just ripped, God's just ripped the kingdom of Israel away from you. And he's given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. You know, if you don't serve God, you don't use your talent for God, you don't honor God in what God's given you in the opportunity, that right there teaches you that God will give it to somebody else. God give it, God give it to Saul. And Saul didn't do what he should have done with it. And because of that, God turned away from Saul and he gave it to David. How many people do we know? Have we have we come across? There's folks I'm I'm thinking of now. There's there's folks right now that I that I know that God has given a talent that they won't use. A talent to sing, a talent to preach, a talent to play a talent to help people, something. They won't use it. And God said, okay, I'll give that to somebody else that will use it. If you won't use your talents for God, God will give them to someone else. Just like Saul didn't do what he should have done with the kingdom, God said, I'm taking it. It's my kingdom. I'm giving it to your neighbor. That's what he said. It's right here in the book. So, Verse 29, And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned out again after Saul. Saul worshiped the Lord. So he still worships after this. Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to the house of Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So what, what did we learn there? It says that Samuel, it broke his heart. He loved Saul. He mourned for Saul the rest of his life. But he didn't go visit him anymore. He didn't fellowship with him anymore. He didn't really have much of a relationship with him anymore. 
God was done with Saul. And Samuel had to move on and he had more work to do. Boy, what a sad, sad situation. What a sad state of affairs. When the Lord had departed from him. What a sad situation when the Lord departs from someone. You love them. You mourn for them. It breaks your heart. There's no fellowship there anymore. There's no enjoyment there anymore. It's just over. There's not a doubt in my mind that the saddest ending in all of scriptures, it's not Judas, it's Saul. Because God did pick Saul. Israel wanted him. It was Israel's idea, but God picked him. And he had more potential than anybody. And he didn't take that potential that he had and use it for God's glory. He lived in disobedience. He lived in partial obedience, which is full disobedience. He never had a heart for God. Never served God completely. He half-hearted it. I don't want to half-heart my walk with God. I don't want to half-heart my life with God. Because our end will be Saul if that's the path we choose. So as we close, this title is Saul's Heartbreaking End. For the Lord hath departed. For the Lord hath departed from Saul. I got good news. Next week will be much better. There's a brighter day for Israel. There's a new dawning. I know this has been tough. I know it's not been easy. But it's in the Bible and it's complete truth. God turns his back on Saul and he goes to David. In chapter 16 on Wednesday evening, we'll be introduced in Scripture for the first time to young King David. I hope you enjoyed this, and I will talk to you on Wednesday. I love each one of you. Good night.